Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. It is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. You guys, as you tune in, please let me know where you are and what time it is. I, myself, am fired up and uh, excited to share with you guys out of Romans chapter 9, as well as 32 verses out of Psalm 119. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Come in and let me know where you guys are at. This is a worldwide ministry. Uh, Man, we've been going for, what, 130 days in a row. 130 days in a row. We have shown up. We've shown out. We have worked our way through the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and we are here in Romans. And as of right now, Romans has been spitting fire. Paul is addressing sin. He's addressing controversial topics. It's very thought-provoking. It's uh, challenging to say the least. Uh, and, and in Romans chapter eight yesterday, it was just, um, I would say that that is an anchor chapter of the word of God. Obviously we should write all of it on the tablets of our heart, but it is, uh, it's one of those chapters that have so much meat and potatoes that you can run back to when you're struggling in your identity, when you're struggling in life, when you feel like your back is against the wall, it reminds us that we are children of God, that he loves us, that, uh, if he is for us, then nobody can be against us. He is so, so, so good. So good. It talks about coming against sin, uh, have the, you know, just, just understanding who you are, right? So many people on a daily basis message me and, uh, they're just so defeated, right? They feel as if they are slaves to sin. How do I stop lustful eyes? How do I stop, uh, doing this? How do I stop doing that? And, you know, I, I feel like it comes from knowing who you are in, according to the word of God. When you know who you are, the things that come against you, they look different. They hit different. They seem different. When I spend more time in my word and I know that I am a child of God, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, when I understand that I have been chosen and set aside, that I am a royal priesthood, when I understand that the Holy Spirit dwells within me and because he dwells within me, that power in me is greater than the power in the world, when I run to my word and to my scripture, I'm no longer a slave to sin, right? Uh, I'm no longer bound by every thought and everything that comes shooting at me, every temptation that is shot at me and thrown my way. I'm no longer a slave to that. I don't have to bow to the the, the desires of my flesh. I, I'm able to crucify those things. When those things come at me, I'm able to stand my ground. I'm able to run to scripture because I've hidden it in my heart and I know who I am. I didn't mean to come out here preaching right out the gate, but I, I see questions and I constantly am listening and hearing Christians, followers of Jesus who are struggling in their walk and not exercising the boldness and the authority that we have, not because of anything that we've done, right? But because of who lives inside of us. And so it, it breaks my heart. It saddens me that so many people are, are, they'll make time for social media. They'll make time for movies and video games. They'll make time to go hang out with their friends, uh, but they won't make time to understand the word of God and walk victoriously. So they, they'd much rather spend time with their friends and in video games and entertainment and, and do other things than to understand who they are and to start walking in that confidence and that boldness. And they're walking around filled with fear and confusion and 
worry and anxiety and depression and, and the answer to those problems, the things that the thing that will solve that because a lot of the times your anxiety and your depression come from a lack of understanding of who you are and whose you are and the power that's in you and the you know it comes from that lack of knowledge and understanding. And when you start to know, you start to live differently, right? You start to live differently. And so when, when, when people are coming to me, they're coming to me looking as if I have some kind of secret or I have some special, you know, one special Bible verse, Andrew, I need a pray. I need a Bible verse for this. I need a Bible verse for that. You guys, it's not a smorgasbord. It's, it's not subway. You don't get to pick and choose. I don't want any pickles, but I want spinach. Go ahead and throw some cucumbers on that. No, we, we consume it in its entirety because every single word that is written is there for correction, for teaching, for discernment, for edification for uh, con- uh, for conflict, right? It's there to confront us and to change us and challenge us. And when we get hungry for the word of God and we start to feast upon it, it fills our spirit, the Holy Spirit within us. It exercises and strengthens us. And then the things that come against us, they cannot stand. They must bow because we're now building our life on the foundation of the word of God. And we have the power of Jesus Christ in us and nothing can stand against that. You're no longer a slave to sin. You start to know who you are, right? Come on, somebody. Glory to God. Surrounded by temptations when I try to study, right? We're all surrounded by temptation. That's the mindset right there. That, that, that's it right there uh, is, is thinking that, be, that, that temptations are stronger than you or thinking or believing that temptations aren't something that you can overcome, Right, Jesus was tempted, and He shows us. It even says in the Word of God that there's no temptation that's co- that, that that's not common to man. And for every temptation, God won't tempt you above your abilities. He will give you a way out. It's just that we're not looking for it, and because we don't know that, we see temptation, and we're just like, "Oh no, we're being tempted. It's all around me, and I'm weak and powerless, and I must give in." But that's not the truth. The Word of God says there's a way out. So, so it's almost like. It's, <laughs> this is so random, and I haven't even started the scripture. Wow, glory to God. It's almost like uh, I think of those, 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 what are they called? Those panic rooms where people pay a lot of money to go into these rooms and try to solve a riddle to get out of them. And it's like you're, you're put in this situation, and uh, you, know, you know that there's a way out. And, and, you know, there's a timer and it's just like the pressure's coming in. Like maybe you're in a, a small room and the walls are getting closer, but you know that there's a way out. And so, but what most of us do is we see that we're in this room and we do, we panic. We're just like, oh no, I, the, the walls are getting closer and everything's crushing in on me. And you just give up and you give into the temptation. But, but Jesus says that there is a key, there's a way out in every panic room, in every situation, in every situation where you're tempted, there's a way out. So for me, I know that as I'm being tempted, which is going to happen, there, I go, no, I'm not going to panic. There is a way out. God says that there's a way out. And so I'm going to flip over beds and I'm going to look under carpets and I'm going to pull out the drawers and I'm going to find the key to get me out of that room instead of curling up into a little ball and allowing the room to close in on me and I fall into temptation. So when temptation comes, which I guarantee that it will, I'm going to be on high alert and say, "Uh uh-uh, this ain't happening. The word of God says there's a way out. 
And so I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to resist the devil because he will flee. I'm going to search for a way out. I'm going to redirect my attention as maybe what I'm doing is uh, I'm being tempted. Let me open the word of God. Though You know what? Let me turn on some worship music. Let me fall on my face and start to praise God. Do you think that temptation and the enemy can stand in the face of you praising God? You see, we, we want to start living different. So we got to start doing things that are different. We got to start fighting. You know, when, when temptation comes in, what is it that you're doing? Are you cowering from it? Are you running from it? And just like, oh no, please, I don't want to do it again. And you start this internal narrative that sounds like you're weak. No, you're a ch up. Yes, temptation's all around me, but I'm going to be victorious because I know who I am. Man, I'm, uh, I'm feeling a lot better today. Glory to God. Let's go. I just hear, I, I'm just so, I'm, I'm so, I'm saddened. My heart is heavy for Christians who are walking around weak to temptation. The Bible says we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to our flesh. This isn't, we're, we're, we're not bound by every desire and thing that is thrown at us. The Holy Spirit resides in you. It, it resides in you and it's strong. Right? The word says the power in you is greater than the power in this world. That's a scripture that I stand on. And that's enough. That's the end of the story. So if the power that's in me is greater than the power in the world, when lust comes at me, I can say, you know what? No, not going there. Not happening. You know what? I'm gonna think of I'm gonna think of the scripture. Ooh, the power in me is greater than the power in this world. I'm gonna think about the Lord. You know what? As lust is coming at me, I'm gonna stop what I'm doing. I'm gonna turn on some worship music. I'm gonna praise God. God, you're so good. I'm so thankful and grateful for your love and for your mercy. I'm gonna start praying. I'm gonna start doing something different. If that's not working, then I'm gonna turn on a sermon. I'm gonna start watching a sermon and taking notes. And I'm gonna grab my Bible and I'm gonna open it up and I'm gonna say, you know what, Lord, speak to me. I need you in this moment. I'm feeling weak. I can't do it on my own strength. I need you. I'm going to start doing other things. I'm going to change, you know, I'm going to change the direction that it's going. But, but that's not what many of us do. The temptation comes in and that's just it. Temptation, being tempted isn't a sin. Jesus was tempted. You guys, listen, being tempted is a part, it's going to happen. You're not going to reach a point in your life where temptation no longer comes. You can be a pastor for 60 years and you see when people stop carrying their cross, when they start, stop guarding their heart, when they stop, uh, you know, doing different things. That's why you have so many individuals who fall from grace down the road. You can be a pastor for 14 years and then caught in a sex scandal because you stopped carrying your cross, because you stopped feeding your spirit. You started allowing the temptation. The temptation didn't go away. You're constantly tempted. So if you're waiting for the moment that temptation will go away, where you reach this point of a, being a Christian that you're not tempted, or you think that there's something wrong with you because you're being tempted, that's another lie from the enemy. You will be tempted until the day that you die. That's a part of it. But when you understand that, okay, I'm going to be tempted. There's going to be temptation. Temptation for ego, for pride, for money, for uh, for for jealousy, for uh, lust, for all of the, like. There will always be, depending on where you're at, every corner you turn around and go around. There's going to be temptation. Understand that. Please stop waiting for the day to come where you're no longer tempted. And there's nothing wrong with you when you're tempted. That is what the devil's job is. He roams around like a roaring lion, looking to kill, steal, and destroy. Right. 
He tempted Jesus. And in one of the gospels, it says that he left and he waited for a more opportune time. He was like, ah, I can't get him now. I'm going to come back and, and try to tempt him a little bit later. I'm going to wait for a more opportune time when he thinks that I'm not going to tempt him. After, you know, after, uh, after he's read his Bible. So now he's really filled up. He thinks that he's on fire. And so uh, he thinks that he's not going to, you know, when he's least expecting, I'm going to come around the corner and, I, and I'm going to tempt them. You're always going to be tempted. Please stop waiting for that moment. But, but when you start to understand who you are and whose you are, you start walking different. And those temptations come and you go, uh-uh, I see you coming from a mile away, right? Now there's a pattern, okay? When I'm watching this or I'm doing this and there's this temptation, ooh, you know what? That's called discernment. I'm going to stop watching these things and doing these things because it's a gateway to constantly have this temptation, right? If, if every time you watch a certain show, temptation creeps up afterwards, is it wise that you continue to watch that show? Oh, Andrew, you're just being legalistic. You're being a Pharisee. No, I'm being wise and I'm using discernment. If every time I listen to a certain kind of music or a certain artist and I'm tempted immediately after to do, to do things that I shouldn't, right, then maybe, maybe I shouldn't be listening to that. Right? If every time I listen to T-Pain, I'm going to buy you a drink, right? And I'm just like, man, I remember when I used to listen to that. God, I used to drink this. This used to be my favorite drink. Man, you know what? It sure would be good to take a drink now, right? Music does that, you guys. Don't, and, and you, don't have to, you don't have to agree with me. But I know for me, if I listen to certain kinds of music and it comes on and I start to like vibe with it, I'm like, ooh, I remember when I used to listen to this. You know what I used to do? I used to like to roll up a blunt. I used to smoke. Man, smoking a blunt would be nice. It's a hot day. Everything's really relaxed. I got no problems. It wouldn't be wrong. It's legal. I can start justifying things. You know what? I'm going to start smoking some weed. So that temptation starts coming in, right? I'm a human being. You don't think that that crosses my mind? I didn't quit drugs. I didn't quit smoking weed because I, I had a problem with it. I wasn't addicted to it. I became wise and was like, you know what? That's not for me. I don't need to alter my mind. I don't need to numb the things that I'm going through. I like to be sober-minded and alert. God is enough. Jesus is enough for me. I no longer need to do that. I didn't quit because it was a problem. I didn't quit smoking weed because I lost everything from smoking weed. I didn't quit smoking weed because it was an issue in my life. It was weed. It wasn't, it wasn't an issue. I wasn't hurting anybody. Like it wasn't that it was because there was this discernment and this conviction. And God said, you know what? You don't need that. You don't need to be altered. Sober up. You, I'm enough. Spend time with me. I'm enough. So for me, I understand that I don't, I shouldn't be listening to certain things because that tempts me. And so when I start to listen to that temptation comes creeping in. So discernment and wisdom said, you know what? You need to stop listening to that kind of stuff because when you do, when you start listening to it, now this certain temptation constantly is coming. So do you want to set yourself up and put yourself in front of the train every single time? No, I stopped listening to it. So now that temptation doesn't come my way, right? Amen. Maybe we should start reading scripture today. Woo! 15 minutes of just off the cuff. Glory to God. Antoine says, we, many times we just we like to justify our actions. Yes, we do. Oh, it's nothing wrong with it. Oh, it's, it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Those are the famous last words of people who relapse. Oh, I really don't have a problem with it. It's not that serious. I can stop whenever I want. <laughs> That's us. And then we fall flat on our face. And then wonder why. It makes so many excuses. Anyway, in Romans chapter 9, I guess we should start. Yeah. 
it's like watching Batman and feeling like you're Batman after. Oh my gosh, I have so many stories I could tell you. I'm going to not. I'm going to read scripture today. So in verse uh, verse 1 and 2, it kind of goes hand in hand, even though it's not the same. Uh, a little bit of eisegesis in, 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 in store. It says, I have great sorrow and always feel much sadness. Right As he thinks about this, he says, My conscience is ruled by the Holy Spirit, and it tells me I am not lying. I have great sorrow and always feel much sadness. I wish I could help my Jewish brothers and sisters, my people. I would even wish that I were cursed and cut off from Christ if that would help them. Paul is saying that, he's like, dude, if, if I could help the Jews, if I could convince them that Jesus is the Christ, that he was God in the flesh, the Messiah, he was like, I would give up my salvation. Right? That's how much Paul cares. He's just like, look, if, if I had to give up my salvation in order for the Jews, God's chosen people, to know Christ as the Messiah, Jesus risen from the dead, if they would understand that that's who he was, then he's like, I would give up my salvation. I'd give up my salvation. Uh, I don't know about you, but I understand what that means, eternal separation from God. I can't say that I'm as bold or selfless as Paul that I would say, you know what? If everybody could have salvation, I would give mine up. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, that's my golden ticket. I'm holding it close to my chest. Paul is selfless, right? If, if, and, And many of you guys might say, well, if the whole world could be saved, I would give up my salvation. Uh uh, I know that hell is serious. I'm no, I'm sorry. I love you guys, but if I'm being completely honest, um, there's some people who, no, no. And I know that that doesn't come off very well. You're just like, ah, oh, the audacity. I can't believe he wouldn't give up his own salvation. I'm being honest. I would not. I would not because I don't want to be eternally separated from God. You know what I mean? I don't want to be. But Paul is sitting here saying that if I could help my Jewish brothers and sisters, I would even wish that I would be cursed and cut off from Christ if that would help them. Woo! It's funny that I, I I shared and started. I have sorrow and always feel much sadness. I feel for my Christian brothers and sisters who are walking in discouragement, who aren't walking in authority, who are beaten down, who don't know their true identity, who don't understand who they are in Christ. It breaks my heart because I, there's nothing special about me. There are lots of people who are walking in that authority and that boldness. It just takes time and it takes spending 130 days in a row in your word to really uh, you know, have a deeper, better understanding of who you are. And like I said, when you start to understand, man, you start to live differently. And that's the power of the word. But I feel that sorrow and sadness, not to the point where I wish I could give up my salvation, but, um, you know, that's that's heavy. Paul goes on and he makes a, a, a great, like a great argument. He's talking about how God chooses who he wants, right? He chooses who he wants. He goes in and says that the people are is of Israel, they're God's chosen children, right? They've seen the glory of God. They have the agreements and the commandments that God made between himself and his people. They have the promises. God gave them the law of Moses and the right way uh, of worship, right? They're the descendants and great ancestors. They're the earthly family into which Christ was even born, right? Who is God overall? Praise him forever. Amen. It's not that God failed to keep his promise to them, but only some of the people of Israel are truly God's people. And only some of Abraham's descendants are true children of Abraham. So he just goes in talking about how uh, even with Abraham, he said, the descendants I promised you will be from Isaac. This means that not all of Abraham's descendants of God are God's true children. 
So Abraham's true children are those who became God's children because of the promise God made to him. God's promise to Abraham was that at the right time I will return and Sarah will have a son. And then he goes in and talks about Rebecca's sons had the same father, our father Isaac. But before the boys were born, God told Rebecca, the older will serve the younger. This is before the boys had done anything good or bad. So before like God chooses and is chosen who he is going to extend his mercy to. It goes on and says, so what, what should we say about this? Right? What should we say about this? Is God unfair? And Paul says in no way. I love he's doing this question and answers. So is God unfair? In no way. God said to Moses, I will show kindness to anyone whom I want to show kindness. And I will show mercy to anyone to whom I want to show mercy. So God will choose the one to whom he decides to show mercy. His choice does not depend on what people want or try to do. It's beautiful. And then so so he goes back in verse 19. You guys are going to read this, right? Remember, you guys are reading this on your own. It's powerful. He says, you are only human and human beings have no right to question God. An object should not ask the person who made it, why did you make me like this? The potter can make anything he wants to make. He can use the same clay to make one thing for special use and another thing for daily use. It is the same way with God. He wanted to show his anger and to let people see his power, but he patiently stayed with those people who were uh, who he was angry with, people who were made ready to be destroyed. He waited with patience so that he could make known his rich glory to the people who receive his mercy. He has prepared these people to have his glory. And we are those people whom God called. He called us not from the Jews only, but also from those who are not Jews. He's going on and saying that God can make, God has made some people for destruction. He's made some people for and to receive his glory. So we understand that not all people will be saved. Not all people are going into eternity with God's glory. Not all people will uh, receive the salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And he created some people that way. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And, And that's just it though is we aren't judge, jury, and executioner. We don't know who God created to receive salvation and glory. Therefore, we should preach the gospel to all people, to every single individual. We don't know their heart. We don't know how God created them, right? That's what's important here is we have to understand. We can't say, oh, well, that person's pretty far gone. There's no need, there's no use in even uh, preaching the gospel to them because we don't know who is who. There's like, I've read this before. There's going to be people in heaven who you're just going to be like, dang, you made the cut. Like, whoo, I counted you out a long time ago. I heard about you. I'm surprised you're here. And there's going to be people who you're like, hey, where's so and so? I could have swore they said that they were a Christian. Wait a second, where are they at? There's going to be people who surprise you. It's not up to us. We don't know who God created to receive his glory and the free gift of salvation. And we don't know who he created to to spend eternity apart from him. That's not our job to figure that out. It's our job to love with truth, to preach the gospel, to spread the love, and to share the transformational power of Jesus Christ. That's what we are to do. It is not for us to try to sort who is good enough to receive it and who isn't. That is not our job. Like I said, you are going to be surprised. There's going to be some people you're going to be like, man, I cannot believe you are here, but uh, glory to God right? You made it. High five. Bam. And then there's going to be some people who are like, 
hey man i thought where is so and so i cannot believe this this is wild i could have swore that they were christians not up to us not up to us so it, you know, chapter nine is fairly short. It says, so what does all this mean? I love that Paul kind of sums this up. I'm going to read this. It says, so what does this mean? Those who are not Jews were not trying to make themselves right with God, but they were made right with God because of their faith, right? There's, there's a whole group. The Jews were God's chosen people and they were, they were trying their hardest to, to make, you know, some of them were trying their hardest to make themselves right with God. But God, because of his love and his mercy, patience, and grace, there's a whole group of individuals, ourselves, who we had no idea. We're not God's chosen people. I'm not Jewish. I'm not from the chosen. Like, I, that's not me. And he still, he extended that love, that mercy, that grace, that gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, when we weren't even trying to be right with God. The people of Israel tried to follow a law to make themselves right with God, but they didn't succeed because they tried to make themselves right by the things they did instead of trusting in God to make them right. They stumbled over the stone that causes people to stumble. As it is written in scripture, I will put, a, I will put in Jerusalem a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that make them fall. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. They'll never be disappointed. Right? We, there's nothing. It's... I talk about what I what I share. We have to understand that when I'm talking about prayer, when I'm talking about reading your Bible, spending time in the presence of God, uh, you know, ministering, witnessing, um, living the life that we have, I'm not talking about salvation, right? Those things aren't going to get you saved. Those aren't the things that are going to. Uh, God's not going to love you any more or less if you do those things. Right, God's the the transaction of salvation is once and for all. It's I put my faith in Jesus and and I receive the free gift of salvation. That's done. But everybody has a choice what they do with the remainder of their life. So I can we can both put our faith in Jesus, and you know how you live after that is it's it's really your decision and it's your choice. You're going to have to account for the time that you spent. Right for me, there's I have this timeline. There's before Christ, and then there's after Christ. Up until the point before I ever met Jesus, I lived a life that was filled with sin and debauchery and evil and wickedness. And every choice and decision that I made was so far out there and left field. Like I don't even know what was going on because I didn't know truth. I didn't know Christ. So up until that point, my I, it, it was wild. And then I met Jesus. And then from there, okay, I still lived a life that was filled with sin, but now introduce the Holy Spirit. So now there was trouble, there were consequences, there was guilt, there was shame, there was frustration, there were so many questions. Why is it that I'm doing the same things I was doing before, but it doesn't feel the same? Why am I now getting in trouble? Why can't I, why can't I go back to living like that? Before I saw the light, before the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me, why am I now ashamed and guilty? Why doesn't it hit the same? Why is it different? And so from that point forward, from the point of salvation, I was wrestling and fighting and trying to understand what is my purpose? Why am I here? What did God save me for? Is this how I'm supposed to live? Why do these thoughts not line up with the word of God? Why is there so much contradiction? Why am I frustrated? Why am I anxious and depressed? Why do I want to hurt myself? What is the purpose and point of life? And there was this wrestling and eventually I surrendered. I was trying to wrestle with God, the one who created me. I'm trying to wrestle against him. He's calling me this way. 
way. And I'm saying, no, I don't want to go this way. That way looks stupid. I don't like it. That's not what my plan was. I had different plans. I don't want to do that. And so I'm trying to wrestle and swim upstream and it was just like chaos. And, and for over 10 years, I did that. I wrestled and fought with God and tried to go my own way. And eventually I surrendered and said, okay, you win. Like, dude, this is not easy. This is a struggle. Here's my life. Like, what, what do you want to do with it? And he said, awesome. I'm glad that you're done struggling and fighting. Let's go this way. And so I spend more time in the word and I have a deeper understanding and I, I hunger to be with him in his presence. I want to know him more. And the more time that I spend with him, the more that he reveals things to me. And it makes sense for the things that I've gone through in the past. There's purpose in the pain and there's understanding and lessons in the things and failures and mistakes that I made. I can look back and see how he was forming me, molding me, shaping me, whittling away the rough edges of my character, helping me to develop in the man that he wants me to be so that he can use me, emptying me of myself so that he can dwell more inside of me so that when people see me, they see him. And it's this process of being sanctified day in, day out. I'm picking up my cross. I'm laying down my own wants and desires. I'm deepening my understanding of who he is and writing his word. I'm taking his word and planting it in my heart so that when things come up, these things sprout up and they fight they go to war for me right it's this process so I'm not saying that you're saved by you know the, the amount of time that you spend in the word you're saved by faith but through, through the free gift, gift of salvation by putting your faith in Jesus salvation that's boom but I want to spend the rest of my time here on this earth learning about him knowing him walking in victory spending my time uh, making a difference in this world and helping people know him better I was reminded as we're talking about music, I always go, I'm always talking about music and some of you guys are probably over it, but um, there, there's songs that come on, man. If there's a song that comes on, there's so many songs that I know by heart and I could sing, man. If I hear one, two, three, until the four, Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at your door, I can go on. The whole Chronic album, the Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, Gin and Juice, all of these songs, right? These are songs growing up. There's countless Tupac and Biggie songs. I know these songs from start to finish. I can quote them even today, right? Even today, there's songs that I know from start to finish. I wish that I spent that same kind of time, energy, and effort knowing my Bible like that. Mm. Some of y'all weren't ready for that. You guys didn't know that the punchline was coming in. Man, I wish that I knew my word, right? Imagine, imagine the time, the energy and effort. I used to, I would record the song off of the radio onto a cassette tape and then I would play it and I would write the words down and I would pause it and rewind it and I would write the words down and I'd pause it and rewind it. I would do this over and over and over till I could read the script and I'd play that song from the beginning and I'd be looking at my paper and I'd make sure that I hit every single note and I would recite it and recite it and recite it until it would be deep down inside of me to where I no longer needed the paper. I'd crumple it up and throw it away. And when I heard that beat drop, I'm talking, uh, 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 uh every single word and I would know it and I would recite it because I allowed it to go into my heart and I wrote it on here and years later 20 years 30 years after these songs have come out I know these songs by heart oh how I wish we as Christians would get to that point with the word of God Woo! that is conviction right 
some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You would do the same thing. You Maybe it wasn't tapes, it was CDs. Nowadays, kids can just Google the lyrics and the lyrics, you'll get a song sheet and you can look and you can listen and you can replay that song until you can just, uh, it comes on and everybody says, this is my jam. And everybody stop and everybody look at me and watch how good I am at reciting this song word for word. And everybody goes, oh, you're so good. That's so amazing. Oh, how I wish we could do that with the word of God. Mm. right I used to words Ace Ventura I went and watched that movie in the theaters 57 times I could go in and I would start from finish all righty then you know what I mean Einhorn and Finkel 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 is Einhorn Einhorn you know I mean I would go in and I could recite that dumb and dumber all the Jim Carrey movies the mask I loved him I would go to these movie theaters and I would watch these movies and I could recite them line for line. You know what I mean? Back when people went to movie theaters and when it was only like seven bucks and popcorn wasn't $15 and I would go and I would watch these movies over and over and over and I would write them down on my heart. I bet if Jim, if I watched Ace Ventura Pet Detective, if it came on, I'd probably still be able to quote 90% of it because of how many times I watched it over and over and over and allowed it to sink into my heart. Oh, how we, if how powerful we would be if we would do that with the word of God, if we would get as excited about walking in the victory, the boldness and the authority that comes from knowing God's word, right? Mm-mm. But we don't. Listen, in Psalm 119, we're gonna read the first 32 verses, okay? So somebody put Psalm 119, 1 through 32, right? I'm going to unpin this, but we're going to break Psalm 119 down into um, little sections because there's uh, 176 verses. Can somebody put 1 through 32, Psalm 119, 1 through 32? I've broken this up in a way where we'll get through this in uh, just a a handful of days. It won't be overwhelming. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 32. Somebody, there we go. Thank you, Jay Vital. Boom. That's what we're pinning. That's what we're reading today. And it goes hand in hand with kind of what I'm saying. You could, Again, if you guys are new to this, you're reading this on your own. You can go further if you want to into 119. It's captivating. But this is, this is all that we're going to go through today. And um, I, I shared what I shared. This wasn't planned, but that's just how the Holy Spirit works. But in verse two, it says, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart, right? This seeking him with the whole heart jumped out at me. And again, I I highlighted these verses, not knowing that this is what we would talk about, about the music and the movies and things like that. Hold on a second. But uh, it's just the Holy Spirit connects it all. He connects the dots. He says, with my whole heart in verse 10, with my whole heart, I have sought thee. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee, right? It's talking about hiding his word in your heart. Um, I, I don't learn like other people. I mean, everybody learns. Some people are visual learners. Some people are hands-on. Some people, you know, uh, you've only got to show them one time and they can do it. Some people are like regurgitation education. They can just cram, 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 and then oh, regurgitate it and then forget it later. For me, 
Um, I'm one of those people, I don't have like a photographic memory. So I can recite scripture that I read, but I couldn't tell you where it's at. That's why many times I'll be like, I don't know where this is. If you guys know the address of it, then you guys can put it in the chat because uh, I, I just don't learn that way. I struggle, I've struggled in the past of knowing where specific things are. I've read the Bible cover to cover more than one time, right? And um, I can tell you the stories, I can tell you characters, I can tell you a lot of things about it. But if you were like, well, where is that? I'd be like, let me use Google real quick and figure it out because I know it's in there. I, I remember it because it's written somewhere in here. But that's the beauty of it is that God will hide his word in your heart. And I'm getting a lot better. So the more that I read it and the more time that I spend, um, not only is he hiding the word in my heart, but now there's some that I have the address to where I know right where to find it, right? It's, it's getting better the more time that I spend. But um, please don't be intimidated by individuals who know uh, the word of God like that. That's awesome. That's their gifting. And, and no, you don't necessarily need to do it like that, but there's ways to get around that. And there's ways. So, uh, it says that I will, uh, with my whole heart, I have sought you Thy word. Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you that right there. I hide the word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We're talking about temptation. We're talking about, uh, you know, the enemy attacking us and coming against us. We overcome that, right, by the blood of the lamb, the power of our testimony. We overcome that by resisting the devil, knowing that he will flee, but hiding the word in your heart, knowing who you are. So when temptation comes, I'm able to say, uh-uh. The power in me is greater than the power in the world. That's scripture. That's the word of God, right? I don't need to necessarily know the address and go, that's actually in this chapter, in this verse. The devil knows the word. And he's like, ooh, how does he know that? He knows that the power in him is greater than the power in this world. Let me try something different. Let me, let me, okay, well, you're alone right now and nobody loves you. Ooh, uh-uh, no, no, no. Uh, it says that God will never leave me nor forsake me. So if he will never leave me nor forsake me, that means that I'm not alone. Oh, that's word, that's scripture. The devil goes, darn. Okay, well, um, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're powerless, right? You're powerless, you have no power. And it's like, no, 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 uh, I'm actually a child of God and the, the power in me is great. Like you can start using scripture, right? Everybody, and there's people of you guys who are like, uh-uh, I know that's this scripture. It's first John four, four. I love that for you. I don't always know those things, but I do know what the word of God says because it's been hidden in my heart and it comes to memory when the enemy is attacking and the temptation is rising up. I'm able to stand on truth, even if I don't know the address. And if I'm looking for it, I can go, hold on a second. I know right where to find it. I can Google, Hey, a verse that says, uh, you know, the power in me is greater than the power in this world verse. Boom. It'll shoot you the address. Then you're able to look it up and then you can write that on your heart, but you start hiding this thing in your heart and it, you, it, it's your weapon. It's your sword, right? But if you're not spending time in it, how will you know what it says in order to share it and to quote it? How can you pick up your sword if you never put your sword or pick your sword up? Does that make sense? If, if the word of God is our sword and that's how we defeat the enemy, but if we don't know it, how can we be victorious in a battle? How can we be victorious in a battle? It says in verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Again, this is just this understanding of, of 
he says, I'm going to meditate. And this isn't like kumbaya, fingers crossed, legs crossed, elevating, like meditation. No, like he's going to think on it and he's going to, he's going to bring it to memory. And you know what? Today we had coffee and prayer and, oh, I just remember how, you know, we were reading about this and I'm going to think about that all day. And when, you know, my mind starts to wander, I'm going to bring it back to my memory and go, man, I want to write this word on the tablet of my heart. What were we talking about? We were talking about scripture. We were talking about this constantly coming back to it, constantly coming back to it, constantly living it out, not forgetting the word, not forgetting the time that we spent with him in the Jeep, not forgetting, not allowing the cares and the worries of this world to strangle out the time that we got to share with our Lord. Verse 18 says, open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Man, verse 25, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to your word. I have declared my ways and have heard me. Teach me your statutes. Make me to understand the way of your precepts. So I so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Man, verse 28, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Right? I, he he sta- like God, you promised these things in your word. Strengthen me according to them. I know your word. I know what you say about me. I know the things that you promise me. And I'm standing on them. I'm holding tight to them. I believe in them. It says that if I draw near to you, that you will draw near to me. So when I feel like you're so far away, I remind myself that in James chapter 4, verse 8, see what I did there? It says, draw near to me and, and that you will draw near to me. So if, as if I draw near to you, you will draw near to me. So you know what? I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to draw near to God. I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to fall on my face. I'm going to open the word. And I know that he will meet me in this place. Right? Remove me from the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. It's a choice. We choose every single day. It says, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. I have chosen the way of truth. I woke up this morning and I chose truth. I want Jesus. I want him. I want righteousness. I want holiness. I want to pursue the Lord. I want more of him. I want all of him. I want less of me. I want none of me. It is a choice. I have chosen this morning to get up and do coffee and prayer. I have chosen this morning to get up and to be in his word. I have chosen to be in prayer. I have chosen to pick up my cross. I have chosen to follow truth. I have chosen to write his word on my heart. It is a choice. Please don't fall fall into a victim mentality where the enemy is your master and temptation is overwhelming and you don't know what to do and you keep giving in. Understand that if you keep giving in to temptation and falling into sin, you are choosing that. That is your choice. I don't, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you because we know who we are. I understand that there's addiction. I understand that there are some behaviors and there's some things that people need to work on. There are mental health issues. I understand that. But as followers of Jesus, there is a boldness and an authority. And we need to start taking accountability for the choices and the decisions that we make. If I fall into sin, 
I didn't trip and stumble. Oh, I tripped and stumbled into sin. No, I literally chose to sin. I chose to stop listening to the Holy Spirit inside of me. I chose not to run to the word. I chose not to stop what I'm doing and worship. I chose to listen to the temptation and I chose to act out that sin. That is my decision. That is my choice. Nobody forced me. Nobody made me. I put myself in these situations. I chose to ignore the red flags. I chose to ignore the warning signs. I chose to ignore the word of God. I chose. If you looked at pornography, you chose to do that. If you chose to masturbate, that's your decision. If you chose to smoke, you did that. If you chose to relapse and drink, you did that. These are your choices. And I'm not trying to be hard or not soft or not loving because I love you. And because I love you, you need to hear truth. You need to hear the truth of the matter and stop blaming your, your, your issues on the devil, right? He's doing his job. That's what he's supposed to do. Oh, that wily little scoundrel, he's up to no good. That's his job. But as followers of Jesus, it's our job to know who we are and to know the packing order, where he comes in, right? We are above him. The power in us is greater than the power that he holds. We are not victims to the enemy. We are allowing ourselves to be victims and we are choosing that, right? I know that's not what you want to hear, that, uh, but, but I'm not going to allow you to wallow in a victim mentality and believe that the temptation that is coming against you and the sin that you keep stumbling into and falling into, you're jumping into it. That's your decision and that's your choice. When I make a mistake, when I fail, when I sin, that's my decision, that's my choice. I choose whether or not I use sign language when I'm having a fit of road rage. If I would humble myself, right? And if I would have more patience, if I wasn't in such a rush, maybe if I left a little bit earlier, then I wouldn't be in such a rush and I wouldn't be so agitated and I wouldn't be so quick to get mad at the person who cut me off, right? Those are all choices and decisions that have come from me right? Nobody forces me to be late. Nobody forces me to send one more email so that I get out late. Nobody forced me to sleep in a little bit longer, right? I, if I can look back, the reason why I fell into sin and threw up sign language at an individual who cut me off stems from the decisions and choices that I made starting earlier in the day. Maybe if I would have left earlier, maybe if I would have spent more time in prayer, maybe if I would humble myself, I can't blame anybody else for my choices and my decisions and the fact that I sin. It's my choice and decision. I have the Holy Spirit that dwells within me and, and I choose to ignore, hey, let's get out early today. No, 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 I could do one more. Hey, you know, let's uh, let's say a prayer before we hop in this car. You know that this is a stumbling block for you, right? We know that you get into your flesh. Hey, why don't we go the speed limit? And you see that person who's trying to get in, instead of speeding up, why don't you let them in? Then they won't be forced to cut you off. But no, it's my pride. They should have got over earlier, right? So I'm gonna speed up and try to make the gap narrower so that they can't fit in because that's my pride and that's my ego. And so when they squeeze in and they almost wreck us, right? Whose fault is that? That's mine. And then I have the audacity. Why would you do that? I get so mad. That's me, bro. That's my sin. That's, that's on you. Take a look in the mirror and say, nobody forced you to be a jerk on the road. And the consequences of you being a jerk are people cutting you off and ruffling your feathers. And so now you're out here in your feelings, in your flesh, right? I, I, who, like, come on. It's the worst, but it's the truth. 
These are our decisions. Nobody, when, when, when you fall into sin and you end up looking at pornography and masturbating, that started, those were your decisions. You started ignoring the Holy Spirit. Hey, we probably shouldn't be looking at this. We probably shouldn't go back and look at that. Hey, you probably shouldn't be on this website. Hey, you probably shouldn't be alone in this room. Hey, you should probably put your phone on the other side of the room. Hey, you should probably open your Bible. Hey, why don't we text somebody and ask for accountability? Hey, why don't we turn on some worship music and pray to God? Why don't we repent? And it's no, ignore, 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 ignore. I'm ignoring this. I'm not going to. I'm going to do this. No, no, no. And you keep focusing on it. And then the next thing you know, boom, you're in it and you've ignored it. And then you feel guilty and ashamed and frustrated because you, you messed up again. But again, nobody forced you into that. You decided. You ignored the red flags. You ignored the Holy Spirit giving you an opportunity and a way to get out of this temptation so that that sin lies gently upon your chest. It's, it's you. You've ignored the Holy Spirit, right? I think that's good for today. Um, I am just so thankful and honored, uh, that God would allow me to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit, that he would show up here 130 days in a row. Um, man, that's over four months four months of coffee and prayer. And uh, I don't know about you, but it has absolutely changed my life. It's changed uh, my devotion, my consistency. You guys have been a part of this ministry. You guys have helped preach the gospel around the world. Souls have been saved. It's been a beautiful thing. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where we're at in 150 days and uh, just the direction that, that this is all going. So um, I just love you guys so much. And I definitely honor you. 130 days coffee and prayer. It will change your life. There has been controversy. There's been conflict. There's been challenging. There's been uh, people who got mad at me and have left. There's people who have left and come back. Uh, there's been lives that's changed. Marriages restored. There have been healings. There have been people coming out of bondage to sin. There's been breakthrough. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Happy March. Happy March. What would you guys do what would you guys do like at the end of this month? Maybe you're new to this. Imagine what 30 days of showing up and showing out to read the Bible, 530. And if you can't make it, right, they're, they're live. They're saved too. The replays are saved. You guys can always go back and uh, watch them later on in the day. So there's really no excuse. Um, but what, could, what, what do you think that if you dedicated the month of March, right, the month of March to reading your Bible and getting up consistently, one chapter new, one chapter old, uh, what do you think that would do to your relationship with God, to your relationships in the world, your family members? It will fill you with the light of Christ, man. It will change your life. So uh, I'm excited, and I just want to challenge you guys to, to run with me, to stick with me. It'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. So um, I just want to thank you guys for the, the badge that you've purchased. I don't know what you bought. It doesn't say. It doesn't tell me anymore. So um, I've, I've been super honored and appreciative for that. It helps support our ministry. You know, at this time, I'd be like, you guys have raised 70 bucks. I don't know. I don't find out until later. But the last several days have been about 80, anywhere between 60 and 80 bucks. So thank you, guys. I, I honor you. But right now, let's say a prayer. You guys can put your prayer request in the comment section. Um, but uh, I want to pray as we get this day started. So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for another day. 
We know that uh, you woke us up this morning. You have given us a pulse. Therefore, you have a purpose for each and every one of us. Um, right now, we want to take a special moment just to lift up our brothers and sisters in both Russia and Ukraine. Um, with all of the misinformation going on, we have no idea, but we know that there are innocent people who need prayer. We know that we have brothers and sisters in Christ in both places. And so we just pray that your will would be done, that you would protect them, that you would overshadow them, that you would comfort them, that your resolution would come according to your will and according to your timing. We don't know what that is. Uh, we haven't had an opportunity to really discern what it is that you're doing or why, but we trust you. God, we trust that you have your hand written all over this, um, that you are protecting your chosen people, that you are protecting the innocent, that you are making sure that uh, you know your will at the end of the day is completely uh, done. And so we just we put our faith in you, um, despite our own opinions, our own beliefs, our own controversial ideas, our own. Uh, different conspiracies that we've conjured up um, based on different agendas. We surrender that all to you. And we just know that you are God and that you will receive glory from this entire situation as you always do. God, we want to lift up our prayer requests and uh, whatever that might be, we pray again that your will would be done. That's what we truly want. So if it's a door that's closed, Lord, help us to have the discernment and wisdom to know that your closed doors have goodness written all over them. Lord, if it's not your will or plan or purpose, we don't want it. So, so God, we ask that you would close doors that aren't from you, that you would shut down opportunities that aren't from you, that you would give us wisdom and knowledge, help us to understand your no's and your not yet's, that you have love and goodness written all over everything that you do. Help us to understand that your answer to our prayers, that, that if we're not getting what we want, that sometimes the answer is no, and that's okay because you know what we need, and you're not here just to serve us and give us what we want, Lord, you're not a genie. So we praise you for that. We praise you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, discernment. Help us to make choices and decisions out of wisdom. And uh, help us not to rush into our flesh and to react to situations, but rather to respond from the Spirit. As we go from this place, we ask that you would pave the way, that you would lead us with your word, and that your Holy Spirit would stay at the forefront of our mind and our heart, and that all of our choices and decisions and actions that we make come from a place that bring you glory and honor. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Um, I say that, I say, I pray that uh, specifically because I get so many people who say, man, God's not answering my prayers. And I'm like, my friend, maybe he is. And maybe the answer is no. So we get so mad when we don't get what we want. But I, I say it over and over again. Sometimes the answer is no. There's things that I've prayed for that I wanted that were a part of my plan, purpose, and will that God said, no, that's not it. And I, I, that doesn't mean that he doesn't hear me. It doesn't mean that he's not listening. It just simply means that it's no. He's our father. We're his children. My kids ask me for outrageous things all the time. Hey, dad, can we get a dozen donuts at midnight? And the answer is no. It's not because I don't love them or I don't care about them. It's not because uh, I want to punish them. Uh, but sometimes I know what's best. I know that a dozen donuts at midnight is only going to lead to a stomach ache, probably some diarrhea, a big sugar rush. They're going to feel cranky in the morning. I understand uh, that, that their decisions and their choices, um, that it's not going to help them. 
And so when I say no, my no has love written all over it because I know what's best as their father. And it's the same thing with our God. Sometimes we're asking for things that we think are good for us. Maybe that's what we want in the moment. God, I really want you to fix this relationship, fix this person I really want. He's like, no, that person is not the one for you. I'm not going to fix that relationship. And then we get mad. You're not listening to us. You don't hear our prayer. They're not changing. And he's like, good, because that's the answer. The answer is no, there's something bigger and better for you. So move forward. And then we get so caught up on us not getting our way or what we want, we start to say, well, God doesn't love me. And that's the equivalent of my kids after asking for a dozen donuts at night, them running to their pillow and going, my dad hates me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't hear me. And I'm just like, that's ridiculous. You're being spoiled right now. I do love you. I love you so much that I'm not going to allow you to hurt yourself with a dozen donuts at midnight. He doesn't want me to live my best life. Sorry, I'm not here just to be your friend and to cater to your every need and desire. I'm here because I love you and I'm trying to help you develop into a young man who is actually productive and makes a difference in this world. That's what I'm here for, character development. I want you to grow up and to be a responsible young adult. That doesn't mean that I don't love you. This is what I would say to my kids. And I believe that many times this is what God's saying to us. God's saying the same thing to us. Stop kicking your feet, stomping your feet, jumping on your bed, slamming the door, screaming in your pillow that God doesn't love you or he doesn't hear you. No, sweetheart, he knows what's best. And everything that we ask for don't always make sense because we're so short-sighted and because we're selfish many times and we think that the world revolves around us and we want what we want. I know that's a lot of hard truth, but that's the fact of the matter. And I'm preaching to myself. There's things that I want that I'd be stomping my feet and God, why, why do they get to do it? Why do they get that? I've been a good Christian. I've been saying my prayers. I've shown up 130 days, Lord, and I don't have what they have. And he's like, chill, man. Stop being a baby. I want, I got something better for you. Or you know what? Look at your attitude. Why would I ever give you that right now? Because you're spoiled and self-centered. You need to do some more work on yourself. I can't give you those things. Look how you're acting when I don't give you what you want. Interesting. 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 Anyway, I digress. I love you guys. I honor you. I pray that you have an amazing rest of your day. I say, I pray that God would stay at the forefront of your mind, that he would help guide you in all of your uh, choices, decisions, and um that you guys would take advantage of every opportunity God gives you to be a light in this world and to spread the love of Jesus. So until tomorrow, I will uh, see you guys all then. I love you and uh, see you tomorrow.